0: Now, our first story on today's Contents Unknown episode comes from a guy with real secrets. He's a covert operative named Mike Ramsdell. And our story starts when Mike was assigned to go into Soviet Russia and extract a high-level target. I really do think I had a death wish. I was just uh, going through some very, very difficult times. And so when... State contacted me and uh, asked me to consider this mission. I just thought, you know, bring it on. I'm your man. Bring it on. No matter what happens, I can live with it. If I make it back, that's fine. If I don't, who's going to care? It truly was escapism. I wanted just to get out. It was very important for us to find some informants, and we did find three individuals what we call in the spy world, assets. And these three Russian individuals worked for the target, the man that we were after. But when it was all said and done, just as the mission was to conclude and we were gonna extract the target out of the country, one of the informants betrayed us and told the target who we were and what we were about to do. And that's when the mission went bad. My orders were to sanitize the mission. And what that means in spook lingo is to get rid of anything and everything so if the KGB or the Soviet secret police came into our apartments, they would not be able to find anything. I was instructed, you will not have your weapon, you will not have your communication device. I threw away my weapon and uh, my radio into the river. In the middle of the night, I was definitely on my own. I would have to use all my training and resources to survive. My orders were clean those apartments, do my work, and then get out of town as quick as possible. The last apartment that I was to sterilize was on the sixth floor there was something that told me to look outside and I walked across the hallway to the kitchen, pulled back the drapes, I looked down and there I saw two mafia goons waiting for me. People think that, uh, you know, 007, he never shows uh, his true emotions, but that's not true at all. I knew I was in big trouble because I would already disposed of my weapon and my communication device. I couldn't confront them. I had nothing and Suddenly I heard the crowbar break the front door of the apartment. The fear and the panic was just, even retelling the story right now, my heart's beating. I heard the crowbar start to break the front door, and uh, all I could do was, I had no other choice. I had to confront them. I... I pulled on my gloves, I zipped up my jacket, I walked towards the front door and uh, said a prayer. And then the the splinters and the door came apart. There, the the mafia goon was standing there. I had a maneuver worked out with a certain blow to his temple. I had nothing and he, he had a pair of brass knuckles within a short time I looked like a big red wedge of Swiss cheese somehow we ended up in this stairwell in one hand he has these bloody brass knuckles and the other he pulled out a stiletto knife and was jousting where the first cuts were going to go just as he was ready to carve me up by the grace of God there was the building drunk on the stairwell underneath us and he reached up through the stairwell and grabbed the mafia goon's pant leg and pulled on it and in that saving moment when that mafia goon looked down I flew around him and over him down those stairs I bounded I told myself Mike get to the train station I'd lost so much blood from the beating I stopped by a vacant building and turned around to see how close they were behind me. And the the only movement on the street that night was the falling snow, the very first snow of the oncoming Russian winter. Why did I choose to do this? I didn't have to accept this assignment. headquarters had directed me that I would catch the local train and I would be on that train for several days until I got to the village of Potevka, where indeed we did have a safe house. I am so thankful to be on the train and to be alive. At the same time, I'm constantly looking over my shoulder thinking that the mafia or the KGB are on the train with me. I'm in terrible, terrible condition. The only sustenance I had in those five days was the awful Russian black tea that was available to everyone on the train. I cannot tell you how hungry and starved I was, but I knew if I could hang on long enough, it is policy that every safe house is equipped with seven days MREs, meals ready to eat. It was late at night. It was dark, blizzard, snowy. I got to this dilapidated train station. I made my way trudging through the heavy snow about a mile to the cabin. I walked to the cupboard, opened the doors. There are no boxes of MREs. Went to the back of the cabin, to the closet, looked in the floorboards, up in the rafters of the cabin, and again, no MREs. I was so spent, I pulled probably a dozen blankets over me and crawled in a straw bed, fully dressed. In the morning, trudged into the village, to the marketplace, and I convinced myself, there, you lucky cuss, you will be able to get some cabbage, whoopee, some potatoes. And strange as it sounds, as I walked, I saw I saw no one. Uh, I saw no tracks in the snow. When I finally approached the marketplace and uh, pushed open the big oak doors, uh, and that's when I realized uh, the village had basically been abandoned. I was hoping to see a light on or a candle burning, and to find someone, and I did, I was able to talk to two old couples, and I took out a fistful of rubles in exchange for a potato, and they would not do it. The conditions in Russia were awful. I had more rubles than, than those old couples w- would ever have seen in their life, and yet keeping food for themselves to, to survive was more important. That's when the first thoughts came to my mind that, Mike, you might not make it. How am I going to survive? Where is the food going to come from? Get back to the cabin, I was almost obsessed with the idea of dying, and I thought, there I am, isolated in this little village in the middle of Russia, and that's how I was going to die. Why can't it be a gun battle on the streets of Moscow so that... The people can read about this hero. I had been in the cabin possibly three days. It was mid-morning. Sorry, but I get a little emotional in this part. I'm at a table writing letters of goodbye because I'm not going to make it. And when any one of us writes a letter, the first thing we do is put a date on it. I had totally lost touch with reality, and especially date and time. But when I pulled out my calendar, that is the moment when I first realized that it is Thanksgiving in America. I heard this loud thump or bang. I thought it could be an explosive. And that's when I heard the sound of a vehicle. I hustled to the window but it was, there was so much snow, I could not ad- identify the vehicle, but it sounded like the engine of a Jeep. Knowing about one or two of our agents losing their hands or their face, I panicked, waiting for the explosion to happen. I ran to the back of the cabin, probably waited 15, 20 minutes, and nothing happened. I pulled the cabin door open six, eight, 10 inches, and there on the stone steps of the cabin was a package about the size of a normal shoebox. There's no turning back now. I grab the package, my heart is pounding, and I pull the string off the package. There, the first thing, a box of macaroni and cheese, a little small box of frosted flakes a jar of artichoke hearts and there I see the Thanksgiving card and I recognize the handwriting of my sister Karen and then I prepared my Thanksgiving meal there was a little package I remember when I fixed the meal around the outside of the plate I put all these little colorful gummy bears they had made their way from Torrance, California to the American Embassy in Helsinki, Finland and somehow from Helsinki, Finland to the safe house in Potevka, Russia. Over the years, I made a concentrated effort to find out how the package could have gotten to Potevka and how, who brought it there and why. But in our line of work and in intelligence, there is a cliche that is called the need to know. And I am not privileged to ask any questions about it because Mike, do you have a need to know? When you work in the covert world there are so many unanswered questions you have. I still do not have a definitive answer as to how the package got to me. Thanks so much to Mike Ramsdale. Now, Mike wrote a book about this experience, and if you'd like a copy, he promises to hand-inscribe it in English or Russian, whichever you prefer. We're going to have a link on our website, snapjudgment.org. That piece was produced by Anna Sussman with a sound design by Renzo Gorio. You are listening to Snap Judgment, and to hear more stories, visit snapjudgment.org.